Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Alternative Ways Festival is a multi-genre music fest which takes place annually in Medicine Hat, Alberta. In 2023, Alt Ways will take place on June 16th and 17th. Band submissions were open earlier this year, closing on November 15th. I met today's guest at Loudest Hell 10, someone who is instantly friendly, welcoming, and a blast to hang around. Heath Ockoin is one of the main organizers behind the Alt Ways Festival, taking the reins in 2020, and someone who continues to promote music on the local stage. Keith also helps organize the Moments Fest, held on the Sick Sicka Nation in Alberta, Canada. Keith, man, it's been a while. Long time no see. Yeah, man, good to talk to you. It's been a few months. Actually, first things first, um, did I say your last name, right? Yeah, it's O'Coin, um, and then if you're French, it's O'Coin. Oh, fair enough. Sorry that I didn't ask before the recording. I completely forgot. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> this year was Loud as Hell 10. Um, was that your first Loud as Hell experience? Yeah, it actually was. And uh, like me, you kind of went by yourself. Is that something that you kind of notice is um, normal at music festivals? Uh, yeah, well, it depends. Um, most of the time, that it, well, all the other times I've been to music festivals, I've gone with somebody. Um, this year, I had nobody to go with, so I went by myself. But I knew that I would see a bunch of people I know from the scene in there, so I wasn't really going alone. But yeah, it seems like most of the time people go with big troops of people. Yeah, and it seemed like everybody was really welcoming, and uh, like I didn't really know too many f people from the scene, so getting out there and getting to know everybody was part of the fun. Oh yeah, that was the main thing for me, to be honest. It's like the music is awesome, and Loud as Hell was great, and like uh, I, I liked my time there. But the big thing for me was camping with the homies. Like it, it, the most fun I had was just all of my friends and really all the people I met because I only knew maybe I don't know eight to ten people really there and the rest were kind of acquaintances and people i hadn't met so it was really cool to like get around and talk to everybody and i didn't meet any assholes so <laughs> i think there was one guy being carried out uh when he was too drunk but i don't know if he's an <laughs> asshole or just fucked up yeah that that, that happens yeah <laughs> were there any expectations that you had that maybe differed from your experience no i kind of tend to go into things with no expectations because every time you have expectations of anything yeah, something doesn't go wrong or doesn't go right. Um, so I just kind of like thought of it as Metal Shambhala and showed up hoping for the best. And I mean, it was really hot and the bathrooms kind of sucked because they were hot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but And then there was the windstorm. Oh, yeah, the windstorm. Yeah, I was that was ridiculous. Just completely decimated everything. Yeah, well, and during the windstorm, I was running around trying to figure out who to help and what to do. And I was wearing flip-flops, and I was really drunk. And I ran across that, like, sword and axe tent. Um, yep. And their wall wasn't, like, tethered down. It was falling over with all the sharp stuff on it. So I, like, ran behind there while still <laughs> holding my drink and was, like, holding on to the two walls while they were trying to get the swords and axes off. And I'm, I'm just like, please don't drop an axe or a sword. I'm wearing flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, that day kind of sucked for all the merchants. There was, um, there was a lady there that did some awesome artwork and another guy with a hot sauce stand and oh it, yeah that would have been a pain in the ass to pack up oh yeah for sure and then like when i got back to the camp after our camps were just completely decimated like people were holding <laughs> tents down with whatever they could i was like oh god oh, and then i saw people like uh taping together their tent pegs or their tent <laughs> like that too yeah travis and amber from crimson caliber had a bunch <laughs> of poles snap and we we're just trying to figure out how to make them work for the weekend <laughs> The best part was that they fixed it for the second night, but then they still slept in the uh, sun shelter there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nice enough. It was hot. It was gorgeous, yeah. Um, when you were at the festival, did you pick up any ideas that you could adapt for alternative waves? Um, not really, 
um, besides like the whole camping thing, but that's like an entire another step I believe we'll get to in a few years maybe. Um, mm -hmm. For now, I like what we're doing there, but I was just kind of surprised um, that they did a lot of stuff that we do. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's hard to say, I guess. I, I was looking at the fact that they sell their own beer and stuff and got some ideas mm. on how maybe we we could take over doing that. But, um, yeah, no, they were just a really good, really well-run festival. And, mm -hmm. um, of course, I was peeking around trying to get ideas for everything, but we're fairly similar in a lot of aspects. So it was just nice to see some a festival that's been doing it for longer than us and has more prestige than us and, yeah, see that we're not so different. I'm guessing that you're planning on going again in 2023? A hundred percent, if I can, at least, yeah. Awesome. If I have yeah, the time right. off work and whatever, you know. Luckily, I get my schedule like a year in advance. So once I got it, uh, I submitted for my vacation time and they, they let me take it off. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Nice. Yeah, my job that I'm working right now, they're really flexible. So I'm sure I'll just be able to get it off no problem. But you never know if I'm if there's a deadline I got to meet or something like that. Then maybe I wouldn't be able to. But I'm usually able to do stuff as long as I give a couple weeks notice. So Yeah, that's good. Um, if you end up making it this year or next year, I guess, what are you most looking forward to or are you hoping for anything in particular? Um, I'm looking forward to just being there with all the people again. Like, I don't know what the lineup's like, so I'm waiting for that. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to being with all my friends again and camping in there. Like, it's a crazy party in the campground uh, and I know the music's going to be good. So hopefully it'll just be a little bit cooler. <laughs> but I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing everybody and trying to drag a few more people along with me. You know what? I would even be happier with like just a little bit more cloud cover. Just not yeah, the, like, even windstorm and not blistering hot. Yeah, even just a little bit like instead of 44, 38. Like just give us that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a couple of local breweries in Medicine Hat, don't you? Yeah, there's a few now actually. There's uh, I think three breweries. There's Trevois Alehouse, and they're also a brewery. Uh, Hell's Basement Brewery. Medicine Hat Brew Co. And then we have like a little distillery called Grit City Distillery. And uh, they do like gins and whiskeys. And I think they're getting into everything now. But um, yeah, specialty gins and stuff like that is their thing. Nice. Do you have a favorite brewery? Yeah, Medicine Hat like Brew in... Co. Okay. I think <laughs> yeah. I've only tried a few from uh, Medicine Hat. And what was the first one you listed? Trevois. No, I can't. Or Hell's Base. Anyways. Hell's Basement. It was Hell's Basement that I, I've tried before, but that was a while back, so I'm not even sure what they carry anymore. Yeah, Hell's Basement is more like crafty and like, I don't know, hoppy, I guess, stuff that I'm not too fond of. And the Medicine at Ruko, they have like uh, an orangey kind of beer, I can't remember what it's called, and like a, a red ale and a, the lagers and stuff like that. Like They're more a traditional beer taste. Uh, the Hell's Basement is just a little too hoppy for me. It tastes like you're eating a skunk. <laughs> so you're not really into IPAs then? Not really, like a little bit, if it's on the low end of the hop scale or whatever you call that. But <laughs> yeah, not 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 the crazy craft stuff that makes you make weird faces. I've I've accidentally ordered a <laughs> bunch of them since I moved here to Calgary, and I'll drink them. But yeah, they're some of them are already get down. Well, and some of the names are deceiving too. You think it's like a stout or a red, and then it comes to you and it's filled with hops. I like yeah. Anyway, but... And I don't know what the numbers are. Like sometimes the menus have numbers. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, as a rule, and it doesn't always taste like this, but as a rule, it's kind of like the higher the IBU, the hoppier it is. Yeah. Okay. I figured that. So I've been trying. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> a, it's definitely acquired taste. Yeah. No, I, I'm more of like a hard liquor guy. Mm. 
to be Fair honest. Uh, jumping back into music here, Moments Fest uh, 2022 just happened in September. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, September 4th this year. Okay. And then you said you were a stage manager. Yeah, I ran the outdoor stage. So there was an indoor stage at the Powwow Arbor, kind of in that big, huge room. And then there was an outdoor stage out the back. Um, and then there was like a little skate park thing they set up in between oh, the cool. two stages where the front door was and our stage was. Yep. Um, and that was set up by Cousins Skateboarding. I believe they're from Siksika as well. Uh, so yeah, it was a really cool setup and I ran the outdoor stage there. I like the skate park idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I have a bunch of neat footage I haven't posted yet, and like photos I keep meaning to post for Moments Fest. But um, silly bike, like there's a uh, underage punk band from uh, Calgary that played, and you know they were skateboarding all hard and stuff like that, and they just ran over to the stage and played their set hardcore. <laughs> like it, it was pretty cool to see. And then they had a Lightning Ant Music School out there, so there was a bunch of I don't know, seemingly eight to twelve year old kids just rocking the stage to open the day and then they were also skateboarding and stuff so oh that's really yeah cool. it was pretty cool to see and it gives them something else to do but also be able to still enjoy the music 100 percent, because the where the skate park thing was set up there's like the front doors to get inside so they really just have to hop off the skateboard and go through the doors to go inside or skateboard directly into the mosh pit if they wanted to which happened quite a bit <laughs> um <laughs> around the powwow arbor there so so what roles do you specifically have like before and during Moments Fest as a stage manager? Um, basically, I just um, liaison with the bands, make sure they're there, get a, get there on time, uh, make sure that everything's kind of going on time or staggered between these two stages so both stages aren't playing at the exact same time. Um, yeah, there's just basically making sure that the stage outside is running well, people are getting on and off, sounds good. People are enjoying it, know what's going on. And I was doing a little bit of introductions of the bands this year, too. Oh, cool. Are you involved in the uh, submission and selection process for Moments Fest? No, I'm not. Um, that's done by Carlin Blackrabbit. He's kind of like the me of Moments Fest. Okay. Um, he does all of that mostly himself, I believe. Um, I'd want to get involved with that for sure, but I'm, I'm not the guy. <laughs> was this your first year as a stage manager for Moments Fest? 100% yeah it was um Carlin his band Mo uh, No More Moments played the festival this year uh and he saw how everything went enjoyed his time there and everything like that and he approached me and Mark Russell of the Calgary Beer Corps to run the stages for him this year um I think he asked us shortly after the festival alt waves this year so okay yeah, it was cool to be a part mm -hmm. of that yeah definitely especially like being on the Six Sigma Reserve there that's a totally different uh, like climate than i guess say loud as hell or always oh 100 it was really cool um you know we got lots of <laughs> uh, stray dogs that were running around the arbor and stuff <laughs> which was awesome they were like sniping sandwiches and stuff like that <laughs> and uh yeah it was just really cool it's like really beautiful out there and the arbor inside is uh i'd never been inside i'd driven past it lots going to medicine at and that was the first time going inside and it was super cool to be inside and kind of see what I've driven past a billion times and always wondered what it looked like. But um, And then, yeah, the sunset there as the sun was going down with the outdoor stage was really, really nice. So, Oh, that's cool. Especially like at the end of the day and you still have the like the, the music outdoor as everything's darkening and getting cooler. It's just a, it's a good way to end the day, I think. Oh, yeah. It, and it was blistering hot there too. Like, I don't know, must have got to 40 out there, even it's on September, September 4th. Holy and, shit. Yeah, we were dying out there. But luckily we had a... Uh, sponsor in liquid death and they just they supplied unlimited water for the festival so we were all just double fist in liquid death all day <laughs> and keeping hydrated so 
Do you do you know how many bands uh, normally submit for Moments Fest? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not I I'm not sure if there's a submission process or if people reach out to Carlin or if he reaches out to bands. Uh, this year it seemed like Carlin did reaching out, like I did this year for Alt Waves mostly. Um, it might go to a submission process this year. I'm not exactly sure. This year is a little bit weird for everybody. So. And then, as you touched on, like you have a selection process for alternative waves. Um, band submissions will be closed at the time this episode airs. So, how is that going so far? And did, did it exceed your expectations? Yeah, it's going crazy, actually. Um, so we have 160 some bands that have applied just a couple weeks in here. Um, in the opening hours of the submission process, we had bands from. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and Long Island, New York apply, and they're actually really, really good. <laughs> uh, and throughout the whole process, we've had bands from all over North America apply, like numerous American bands, a lot of bands from every province in the country. Um, it's going to be ridiculously hard to pick the bands. Like the the quality and quantity of bands that have applied is blown my mind um you know and some other festivals probably get like three or four hundred submissions or something like that so we'll see what we get by the end here but um i'm already going through grading and while well, we all are going through grading there's five of us in the group and we're all just commenting on how most of these bands are getting higher grades and it's going to be <laughs> really hard to figure out what to do here so yeah no doubt and 160 bands applying for a festival that was essentially started before covid completely decimated and then ascent like restarted again with somebody else at the helm that's that's very impressive thanks yeah it's uh been a ton of work and i just kind of decided that i would promote as much as i can and try to keep relevant as much as i could during covid for the festival and i knew that it would all lift eventually um and then when this year went as well as it did, it was just kind of off to the races. And um, it was a definitely a transition and a hard process. And there's times even, I mean, I'm not going to just stop it now, but <laughs> this, the way that my brain works, there's times, you know, a couple weeks ago where I'm like, are we even going to keep doing this? Like, this is ridiculous, you know, but uh, it's, uh, it's tough, but it's super, I, I enjoy it more than anything I do really. Um, it's become a passion and, yeah, I couldn't imagine not doing this festival at this point. <laughs> that passion is extremely important when you're putting together something this big, and especially when you're taking in local, national, and international submissions. Like you want to put on your best, like your best foot forward, and if you're not passionate about it, it would kind of suffer. Yeah, and I think that might be because like people ask me all the time, you know, how I do things or whatever, and I don't really know. Like I just kind of. <laughs> run with it you know and uh I've, i'm guessing that most of the ability to do things and whatnot comes from um yeah what you're saying passion and then just kind of being able to multitask and stuff like that but um the passion is what really makes it everything because we don't make any money <laughs> so um the passion has to be there and i, I love it like uh I love doing all the extra shows we do, all the one-off shows that all we all of the money that we do make from those shows go towards the festival every year. I love doing the fundraisers that we do, like being involved in any show process possible. I just love it. Uh, and then the festival, like, um, I guess you weren't at this year, but besides the stress face that people see from me, <laughs> like the constant <laughs> smile besides that, people comment all the time, like, you look like you're having the greatest time. You're not even really doing anything. You're just stressing. That just reminds me when your face became a meme on Facebook. That was hilarious. 
<laughs> yeah. And actually, that was because my buddy was just taking a picture of the stage, and I saw that he was taking a picture, and I was like looking over the crowd, smiling, because I'm like, oh yeah, my buddy's <laughs> enjoying this. <laughs> and then people noticed that I noticed, and it became a meme. I was scrolling through uh, some of the friends on Facebook that I made through Loud as Hell, and I'd say probably like a good 70% of them had your face as their profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like the week before that, or a couple weeks before that, it was Kevin, Kevin yeah. Rankin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In his little like, coconut bra. Kevin. Oh yeah, yeah Kevin's a legend. Um, so putting together a multi-genre fest, what goes into choosing who will be performing? So it's quite a hard process because, like, we want the highest quality acts possible, but we also want to have acts that are coming up and then near the top end, like headliners and co-headliners, bands that are more well-known or more mainstream. So um, we open up the submission process and we get all these bands in that apply. Uh, once we close the submissions, we go through and we grade them all at a 10. Um, and the 10, we, f we take in how they sound, you know, things like their social media presence, how relevant they are as far as like music releases and stuff goes. We factor that all into the score out of 10. And then we take the five of us, add them all up, and then we figure out where they are, where the bands are from there. Um, then we kind of get an idea of who all of us think. So it's not just one guy's opinion, but all of us think are the best bands. Um, and typically, most of those ones will get in. Any of the high, high ones will obviously get in unless they're a little bit out of our budget range or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we get all the submissions and we decide what bands to accept, and then um, they, uh, they accept their position, uh, we typically find co-headliners and headliners from bands that are more well-known. So like last year, we had Belvedere. Mm -hmm. They're a worldwide known punk band from Calgary here. Um, you know, we're, we're aiming for bands like Cancer Bats or, um, you know, Comeback Kid, things like that. Just bands that are more well-known but aren't, you know, Metallica-level bands. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of any other band besides them, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we, we build the lineup from there. Um, so it's a long process, and it takes a lot of figuring out because sometimes there'll be, you know, a band that has... I don't know, let's throw out a number, say, a 40 out of 50, because there's five of us. Um, and then there's a band that has a 38 out of 50 out of five of us there. Um, and sometimes that 38 will get in, depending on all the factors I mentioned. So it takes a ton of time, and that's why we try to open submissions as early as possible. We're going to aim for October 1st next year instead of the 12th this year. It just mm. worked out with a bunch of things that we were doing. Um yeah, it, it takes a lot. And then, of course, a bunch of bands will say yes, and then they'll drop off before the festival. And then you got to scramble and look at your list and figure out what to do. And, um, yeah, it's it all goes back to, like, the, the grading, the number grading system that we have. And it's a system that Sled Island uses as well here in Calgary. And I'm not sure about other festivals, but it seems to be the way to, like, take one person's opinion out of the equation and figure out what's best definitely and you guys um since you're balancing different genres you also have to have do you have do you have like a quota for every specific genre that you kind of feature or is it just whoever submits you take a good um mix uh there's no specific quota so like we just kind of start from the top and work down is kind of the way that i work it mm -hmm. um so we figure out which bands are the best and um what genres they are uh so 
last year, you know, a lot of our best bands were metal and punk. So the way we structured it is that on the Friday there, we had um, the indoor stage was EDM and hip hop. So there was like kind of a dance party thing going on. Uh, the outdoor stage on the Friday was metal, more metal centric. And then on the Saturday, the indoor stage was kind of thrash and hardcore and stuff like that. Um, and then the outdoor stage was more punk and rock and uh, things like that. So there's no real quota, but we kind of build it from the top down. And that gives us the vibe of how we want to go with each day. You know, if we have um, downsides from New York headlining or co-headlining on someday, we want to have a bunch of metal bands at the top. And I kind of break it into little mini shows. So if there's, er, I work it into like groups of four-ish. Mm. Um, so we'll have, you know, four metal bands at the top and then four punk bands underneath that. And then four rock bands, four hardcore bands, four hip-hop acts. Kind of, Kind of that's how I work it. That's a good way to keep things organized, especially like if you have a, a person that's pretty much only interested in their genre, they know that they'll get at least a few sets in a row without having to worry about missing one of their favorite bands or worrying about something that maybe they're not really a fan of. Yeah, and we actually work it so it's staggered as well at Alt Waves. So um, if you wanted to, you could see some of every band. There's usually about five minutes or you know a few minutes of overlap on each side. So uh, if you're seeing one band, you might have to leave that band a few minutes early to go inside to catch the next, uh, the start of the next one or whatever. But uh, we kind of have it set up so that if you wanted to, you could just walk between the two stages and see stuff all day. Um, and yeah, that's it. It, it kind of um, gets people inside in the AC and then back outside because it's quite hot outdoors sometimes in Medicine Hat, so <laughs> it's nice. At least that way you can go in and out, like you said, balance the temperature, like, um, and then you can pretty much hit every band so if you want to be at the stage the whole day you will be yeah you totally can and uh, in our back area like so the mainliner and we have the indoor stage inside the bar and then we just take over the entire parking lot out back and fence it off and shit um and then we we get big tents and like lots and lots of umbrellas because it's hot in medicine hat like in like in drum hill maybe not as hot but um so we get these big overhead tents that help quite a bit with the sun that's for sure but i mean if it's 38 all day uh, shade doesn't help a ton. I mean, it's better than no. <laughs> not having any, like, at that loud as hell there. There was that one dilapidated tree near the stage or whatever. <laughs> people just <laughs> huddled around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but... it was funny, too, because the same people would be huddled there as the shadow moved. So you'd see them move closer and further back to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, they could definitely use some cover, and it's not <laughs> that much extra to do the cover. So, yeah, that's what we did last year. And hopefully that windstorm again. Oh yeah, well th these well yeah the we had a windstorm at Alt Waves this year actually, so there's some video out there. Die another day's playing, and just at the end of their set, the wind gets crazy, and we hadn't really planned super well for the wind. Like we had bungee cords holding stage tent down, like it's just a little pop up tent and stuff, but uh, the wind got nuts. So, so during the uh, recording of their set it just this camera starts shaking much like it did at the loud as hell one uh, and then a tent or an umbrella from one of the tables like flies into the frame and bounces off the top of the tent and like people are rushing to hold the tent down from it flying away <laughs> like it, it was just pandemonium but uh luckily it only lasted a little bit and it wasn't quite as bad as the loud as hell one so um this year uh, and actually on the Saturday after the windstorm, those big tents that we had ordered in were anchored into the concrete. So those ones aren't going anywhere. But uh, oh, nice. yeah, we ratchet strap 
everything down as much as possible. And this year we're thinking of that ahead of time. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna ratchet everything down just in case. And of course those big tents, they're like a section of twenty foot by forty feet. Uh that's all anchored right down to the ground. So Oh good. That'll probably prevent a lot of damage. Yeah, definitely. Like, luckily we didn't have any damage, but def people were scrambling to hold stuff down and get <laughs> get umbrellas down and stuff like that. So, what's really cool is that people come together at times like that. Like, even if you have nothing to do with the show, people were trying to help everything stay together, and then they they did their best to get the next band on stage. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Even at ours, like there was just drunk dudes holding on to the tents, like just a guy on each leg holding it down, like the tents covering the sound booth because it was raining and stuff too. Like you had people holding the stage tents down, like people holding the ticket booth stuff down, <laughs> chasing down everything for us. It was awesome. Like everybody really uh, pitched in, like did it loud as hell. And it was kind of weird to see that, you know, they had a windstorm, we had a windstorm. You know, maybe we should plan for that now. <laughs> this year did you guys notice any more submissions from specific genres um, higher percentage i guess there's been a lot of like i guess folk and rock bands um there's been tons and tons of punk bands um yeah they're kind of just a pretty even across the board but there's been some really odd submissions too like uh, you, you click on their music and you're listening and you're like, what the hell is going on? This is awesome. But what the <laughs> hell is going on? Um, yeah, there's no real disproportionate. It's all, it's all real even. And um, like I said, some of it surprised me, like what's going on here. But uh, it's all been really good. Except for a couple of stinkers. There's always a couple of bad ones. <laughs> you just <laughs> laugh at those ones and move on. <laughs> this relatively consistent over the years that you've been involved? The wide variety of submissions? Yeah, well, actually, during the first year I was involved, it was basically all metal bands. Um, so over the years, we've kind of spread out to be more multi-genre than we were at the start. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to see just the evolution of it all and starting from, you know, our backgrounds, all of our backgrounds is metal and punk and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, over the years now, we have just a wide range that are applying from EDM to hip hop to reggae to funk to rock to metal like to death metal every everything you can think of is basically applied we even had a quartet apply like uh, oh, pretty weird. pretty crazy yeah <laughs> that'd be cool though yeah it would be their jazz quartet from Calgary here uh, i guess i don't really want to say who they are yet but yeah <laughs> i'd go and see that that'd be sick yeah they they're cool i listen to them they're uh, they're awesome and you said earlier before we started recording that you have, or maybe it was during the recording, but you said you have 40 bands that play uh, alternative waves, correct? Yeah, about 40, um, give or take. I think this year we had like 38 or something like that. And then in 2019, we had 42. But yeah, we try to stick around that 40 mark. Um, we're, we might have to add another day. We'll see here, but we'll stick around that 40 mark for now and see how it goes. <laughs> Well, having the other day wouldn't be so bad. You could also put something together like Loud as Hell and have kind of like the festival opener, like the day before the festival actually starts. Yeah, I'm actually almost certainly doing that this year. Uh, we've discussed that. The kickoff party sounds like a great idea. Our festival starts on the Friday, of course, like Loud as Hell did. So if we did something Thursday night, anybody who's in town, like they'd get to go have an awesome time. So Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I like the, um, the kickoff party there because it was – it seemed like a little bit more local. Obviously, it was a smaller bar um, in Drumheller there. And it was cool because like it was just so close and it got kind of everyone together. And that was one of my 
that was my first festival, but it was also one of my biggest shows that I've seen since COVID. So it was just to get, it was good to get right back in the atmosphere. Yeah, it's really cool. Like uh, neighbor, neighbors, neighborhood, whatever that yeah. place was called. Um, it's about the size of the mainliner as well. Um, so mm. the inside is about that, and the parking lot's obviously outside and bigger. But um, doing shows at those smaller venues is always a great time because it seems like, well, it feels like you're packed together because you are. <laughs> and yeah. then every, everybody <laughs> seems to be a bit more friendly. Like we have no issues at any of our shows pretty much ever. Um, and that, of course, doesn't really have anything to do with the room, but it just, I like those smaller intimate shows. The bigger ones are fun, but like the smaller ones are where it's at. For me, it's most more personal. Like you get a lot closer to the stage. You're able to chat with the musicians. Um, a lot of the time they stay in the crowd afterwards. It, oh yeah. If you had like a gigantic, I mean, Loud as Hell is not very big uh, in the grand scheme of things, like compared to Vakken or something like that, but yeah. the band still stayed there. However, some of the bigger bands, they'd come, they'd do their set and they'd leave. So that kind of sucked but it was awesome being able to camp in between a bunch of the guys who stayed there and it a lot of them stayed there for the entire time yeah it was really cool with like alternative waves and even our one-off shows with the dayglow abortions or rip cords or whatever like they're there at the start of the show they're there to eat food you know they just drink some beers and then they play and they stick around and you can talk to them they're right there like belvedere was just hanging out at the festival all day saturday well maybe it wasn't all day like from five o'clock on on saturday just sitting there you go talk to people are just going over and talking to them you know and um yeah it's, it's really cool to be able to do that like steve from belvedere for me is uh, one of my favorite musicians like belvedere is one of my favorite brands of all time so it was crazy just to be able to talk to him and see him sitting there having food and drinking beer enjoying the music just like everybody else and stuff and um yeah that's kind of the cool thing about the smaller festivals or shows is like you said they're right there they have nowhere to go really <laughs> they can go hide in yeah. the alley or whatever but... <laughs> yeah, and then everyone can see you leave so they'll probably follow you too oh yeah yeah that happens for sure like when murray <laughs> would go out for smokes or whatever like the lead singer of the day glows people go outside for sure with the joint to hear about what he has to say about the new world order or whatever <laughs> what is your involvement in the local scene and putting on shows yeah so um all the shows that we put on uh we pay the bands from either the door or the bar, depending on the situation, or sometimes guarantees if they're a bigger band like Dayglows. Uh, and then anything we do make, so if we make 100 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever it is, we just take it all and stick it back towards the festival. So throughout the year, we kind of build like a festival fund, um, and that helps pay for things like st sound and stage or bands or whatever, so that we aren't just going to the festival with nothing. Because um, all, all we have for the festivals it runs off of like my bank account and whatever you make at these shows um it's hopefully sponsorship like we do get sponsorship as well um it's really small sponsorship so it is what it is but we're going to work on that more this year um so yeah the, these one-off shows that we do are an awesome time like they're one of the favorite things we do we get crazy shows going the locals all come out and support it and love it and like our scene was kind of dying in medicine hat or was dead basically um <laughs> and so it's nice to see the revival of it and people really appreciating it like people come some people certain ones come to every show we do um and then yeah like i said we take all that money put towards the festival and try to do something really cool for for medicine hat and for the alberta scene well, that's proactive and it's also uh, keeping you busy year round. Like you are planning for this in June or kind of like early summer. Then it gives you something to do in like little steps along the way to make sure that you're A, not blindsided and B, you're still in the groove when you have to put something so large together. Oh, for sure. And like it keeps us in the groove, keeps us relevant, keeps 
you know, people have something to do because there's nothing to do in Medicine Hat. Like people there will know there's nothing to do. <laughs> so yeah, there's like, like these two bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, these shows give some uh, people something to do. And then um, I want to do more of more things like this. But we also do fundraiser shows and like those give back to the community. So for example, uh, we did a show in Medicine Hat last year that was for the mustard seed and the uh, recovery center. So we took in donations, money, and items uh, and donated to the recovery center and the mustard seed. And then here on November 12th coming up in Calgary, we're doing one for the Bear Clan Patrol, which is an indigenous-run, independently-run uh, homeless outreach program that works in downtown Calgary. Um, so doing stuff throughout the year allows us to kind of take some shows off, like so we don't, we know we aren't making any money. Uh, we know the bands aren't making any money, but do these um, fundraiser shows. And I mean, it's a lot easier to do them and have bands donate their time to a good cause if you're doing stuff all the time. Because if you just reach out to somebody like, hey, will you do this show for free? People kind of <laughs> kind of hesitate, right? So um, yeah, keeping relevant in the scene um, allows us to do so much more. Like we were also invited to do music for the Canada Day event in Medicine Hat. Um, they have a skateboarding event called Beat the Heat. Um, it's like an amateur skateboarding event. And they invited us to do the music for the kickoff and party and free barbecue. So um, just doing stuff in town seems to allow us to do more stuff in town, if that makes sense. <laughs> So yeah, just before everything, we were chatting about uh, basically how bands release singles and to stay relevant. Yeah, so I was just saying that um, we kind of do the same thing. So I approach the festival as like a business or an artist, like I would if I was in, still in a band. And uh, yeah, you got to kind of release things and do things and keep in people's mind, whether it's have shows or release singles, because uh, yeah, there's a million other things going on. You know, if, if, if we just took a break and didn't do anything, we're not big enough yet. Like, you know, we're loud as hell. They don't do a whole lot in between festivals. We're not big enough yet where we could just take it off and have people know what's going on. We have to have shows constantly going yeah. on. And then we also get so many offers. Like, a lot of them I can't even turn down. So even if I'm like, oh, we'll take a break and doing three shows in a month because, you know, Ripcords want a show. Dayglows want a show. You know, this band, that band wants a show. It's, uh, it ends up being uh, a full-time job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just like being in a band, no doubt. Yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, or what you said was that um, if you still played in a band, so obviously that means you had been in a band in the past. Yeah, nothing memorable. Uh, I was a drummer in bands. Okay. Like I, I was in bands through high school, and then I was in jazz bands and pit bands and musicals and stuff. And like I went to Europe and played some music there, like with the jazz and orchestra bands but uh, i was just in a couple not very memorable metal and rock bands in medicine hat as a drummer um okay it's something i'd want to get into at some point in time but like i've explained to a lot of people who've been asking me uh to play in their band or whatever there's like 100 percent of, of yourself that you can give and if i give myself to a band it'll take away from promoting in the festival and it'll also take away from the band it's like the band isn't going to get 100 percent of me the festival is not going to get 100 percent of me uh, like it's just if you spread yourself too thin nobody nobody wins so um i'd like to feature in a band at some point like play one song or whatever just to hop on stage every now and then but um for now i don't play in a band and i need to practice more than i am to even get to a feature <laughs> spot so well 
practice makes perfect and i think that's the best way to keep your skills up right 100 percent. like uh i used to warm up to certain songs and then i try to warm up to them now and i can't even play them halfway through the song it's like oh man i used to do my warm-up and now i can't even play it if i'm concentrating so it's definitely like a language where if you don't practice you don't lose it like i, I can still drum quite well but you know you lose things like the speed or the certain timing or you know the, the fluidity of your movements you, you definitely just like you, you would lose whatever your accents and stuff if you didn't speak french a lot i didn't realize that you had a musical background so that's uh that adds another layer to this that's pretty cool um when did you start playing drums i started playing drums when i was 14 i think um i went through like trying to figure out what instrument i wanted to play to be in band class because like um you didn't have to own an instrument and we were you know not the most well-off family so it was pretty good but then i picked drums where we did have to own an instrument the only instrument you couldn't rent <laughs> um but yeah so i started playing drums then and i tried a few other things like i've played bass guitar a bit and i can play some electric guitar and a little bit of a bunch of instruments but drums is my main thing and yeah i started in grade seven obviously the passion for promotion and putting on this festival is for you at this point in time more than making the music yeah that's that's how it is. Like I haven't, if I was having a shitty time all the time, which I don't have, <laughs> then it would be different. But like, <laughs> I have just as much fun, probably more fun actually doing like the shows and promoting because I hate people looking at me and stuff, like being noticed. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay. so perform for somebody who's in the middle of everything. I know weird. it's weird, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a mess. <laughs> um, being on stage was always like super nerve wracking. Like I've probably played a hundred shows, but it, the last time I played one, I was just as nervous as like the first time. And even like doing plays on stage, like anything, I just don't. I, I, it makes me super nervous. Don't like it. So it's better like kind of being in a back role. But now I'm more in a front role. Like now that I, I didn't really think this through. Like now that we're getting more well known, <laughs> like, like global news and different. Like I've had to do interviews and stuff. It's like okay, well, I guess I'm gonna have to get over this at some point. So. <laughs> Well, it's a good mix of both worlds, right? You're behind the scenes most times, but then you get the people who are comfortable on stage to get out there. You have a little bit of that notoriety because you're doing the interviews and you have that, um, I guess, local fandom because they all know <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, still a little bit weird when like people know me and I don't know them, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I like weird. to just, if I don't know them, get to know them right away. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm this year I might do some emceeing or something like that. I did that a little bit of that at Moments Fest, and um, it seems like the more you do it, the better you're at it. But it wasn't like that for me for the longest time, like for playing. I don't know why. Do you know what changed? No, I probably just got older. I guess I, I give less shits what people think, even though I probably still give too many shits what people think. But yeah, I, I don't really know. Now we're all guilty of that at points. Yeah, yeah. Always wondering what you did wrong, like in this this interview, lots of things I'll probably listen back and go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned um, getting introduced when like people know you, but you don't know them. Not that a lot of people follow this podcast, at least at this point in time, but it was really interesting being introduced as Jeff with this podcast rather than just my name. It was It was weird having like a title attached to it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's super weird for sure. Like, <laughs> I may, maybe we'll get over it at some point. But yeah, it's always odd. It's like, this is Keith. Oh, you're from Alternative Waves, or this is Keith with Alternative Waves, or Jeff from Drown Nation. It's like, oh yeah, shit. I guess I'm like that thing, hey? 
Well, I think the first time Amber introduced me to somebody um, and she said that, I think I had already been drinking. I was like, wait, what? I know that podcast. Wait, that's my podcast. <laughs> you just look at her like, wait, what? <laughs> it took a couple seconds. She probably thought I like glitched out or something. <laughs> yeah, glitch in the matrix. <laughs> Not as bad as Katy Perry, apparently, but. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I think she might be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the consensus. And she gave us the uh, the official statement. I am not a robot. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. That's what a robot would say. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, alternative Waves, like uh, we touched on earlier, started in 2018. And you came on the year after in 2019, correct? It actually started in 2015, and there was a long oh, period of nothing because they owed a bunch of. Oh, okay. They went there. It didn't go monetarily well. It went well, like it was fun and stuff. Everybody had a good mm -hmm. time, but it didn't make money, and it lost quite a bit. So there was nothing until 2019, and then Nate Bonnet uh, started it back up with Swan, uh, Sean Crushel, and they invited me to be a part of it. And my crazy ass came in and had all these ideas and took the ball and ran with it. And 2019 went really well. And uh, then COVID happened and they decided he would focus more on like the audio side of things and take a step back. Um, and so I took over uh, and then just ran with it more. Like uh, it's just, it's been me chasing like the cheese wheel down the hill. Like all those people do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like at this point. You were kind of approached to take control in a way, and I'm wondering what made you the guy. Why did they approach you? Um, well, so when they brought me on, it was because it was to be like a part of a group. So there was four or something people then as well. Um, and then when during COVID, when Nate decided to take a step back, what had happened was there was some like inner group conflicts as well. So um, Nate took a step back as well as another group member. Colton took a step back as well. Um, and then it kind of just left me standing there um, trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, so yeah, we figured out our differences for the end. Like we're all best friends pretty much and stuff. We just had some, you know how it goes when you work with friends. Um, but yeah, I, I took control of it from there and I'm not really sure why. Uh, it's just I was the guy left with the ball in my hand, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, Nate, actually, he's uh, come on this year as our sound guy for the indoor stage, and I brought him on as sound guy for the outdoor stage at Moments Fest, so even though he's taken a step back from all the stress of actually doing the festival, he gets to still have his hands in there and work and have a good time and be a part of it. He just doesn't have to deal with all the crap. <laughs> well, and it's always cool watching your project grow up. 100%, and he said that a lot, like, you know, seeing it from 2015 when he was part of the committee as well and when I was just a stage manager, and then handing it off and seeing it grow to where it is and, like, to the point it is, it's, um, I'm sure for him, like it is for me, it's it's crazy to see, and there's a sense of pride that comes with it. In your opinion, what are some of the things that you're bringing to the table that will or have already benefited the festival, and how will that continue? Um, I guess my willingness to take risks helps because <laughs> a lot of this is taking risks um shows typically aren't known to make money or anything like that so just the fact that we can maintain above board and like put it towards the festival and not lose our asses on the festival and stuff like that um it takes a lot of yeah willingness to take a risk um and then navigate the waters as things come up um i guess it's just like my hard-headedness that helps the most is the easiest way to put that yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, that makes sense. And you have to have a little bit of that if you're going to be confronting your challenges, right? Yeah, for sure. And I guess I also really, like, I have good interpersonal skills. I enjoy people for the most part. Um, and I kind of like making new friends and I treat everybody, you know, as equals as my, and as my buddy at the start until you give me another reason not to sort of thing. So <laughs> I'm sure that helps with being friendly instead of being like that asshole promoter that is sometimes stereotyped. Uh, speaking of promoters and stuff like that, how do you go about finding sponsors or partners to help with the show or with the festival? Uh, I just make a list um, of businesses or people or whatever. Uh, I write up like an info sheet on the year, like what's going on. I break it down to like why we want your money or your donations, you know, um, what we can provide, uh, you know, what's going on, where we're at for planning, stuff like that, all on an info sheet. And then on the back, there's a spot to fill out where you can either donate money or items, whether it's, you know, t-shirts or whatnot for us to raffle off. Uh, and then we go from there. So we just basically approach cold, cold approach businesses, just walk in with this form and here's what we're doing. Here's what we can provide. Um, here's what we want or would like from you. And we go from there. It's uh, yeah, a lot of salesmaning, I guess, in a way. <laughs> but I mean, we provide advertisement and, you know, we have logos on banners and, um, you know, we announce sponsors leading up to the festival and during the festival and, um, so we kind of act as like an advertising and marketing uh, thing for businesses that sponsor us. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we bring it to the table is we'll advertise you guys if you provide, you know, on the higher end, you'll have higher placement on banners or bigger logos or, you know, things like that. And then it goes down from there. Yeah, because each uh, each partner can put in a little bit more or less than others and they might want specific um, perks, I guess. Exactly. So like, you know, the Al's Audio as a sponsor would prov or provided us like a discount on our audio system. So they had like a bigger logo. And, you know, in 2019, we had Medicine Hat or uh, Hell's Basement Brewery donate a bunch of beer. So they had a big logo. Like, um, you know, it depends on where they're at. It works like in a tier system, you know, platinum, gold, silver, bronze kind of thing. I'm just like comparing this to my sponsorships. Um... Not with Gyro Nation, but with my work with Special Olympics. Like, um, did you kind of approach them, giving them all the options at once, or did you kind of see where they where they wanted to put in? Um, there was like, yeah, so different tiers like that, and then other categories as well. So like, we have our various tiers and what that'll get you, and then there's another category because in places like Big Al's Record Kingdom and Medicine Hat, he's not he's just a little record shop owned by one dude, right? Like. He just donated some records worth like a hundred bucks, so that he would just go in the other category. Um, so we don't make, you know, say you can't be involved if you don't give us five hundred bucks. <laughs> but we definitely have the tier system, and then an other category as well. We'll see if we maintain that like as we grow. Um, but yeah, we 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 try to keep it the tier system, and then an other for um, small local sponsors, just to kind of get the logo out there and you know be a part of it. So for you, what is the most frustrating thing about organizing something this big? Um, frustrating. I don't really know. I'm like, there's a lot of frustrating aspects, but there's not one specific thing. I enjoy 90% of it. The frustration comes when, I guess, slotting bands right now, for example, like some bands... Um, I don't really know how to put this, but some bands are hard to place despite their quality, whether that's because of 
um, their price or their genre or whatever. So the frustrating part for that is me having to tell bands that are so damn good, <laughs> like, sorry, you can't play the festival. And like, yeah, that, that's frustrating part of the band choosing process. And then like the, the, the day of when I forget little shit, like little things that you don't realize until the day of, and you're like, wait, where is this? Oh, fuck, I didn't, I didn't pick that up. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> like it always happens or typos me and carlin were talking about this you can proofread the damn poster 18 times the first time you put the poster up there's never there's always going to be something wrong and it's so frustrating because then you gotta pull the poster down or leave it up and put up a new one to maintain the engagement and reach and i guess speaking of engagement and reach that is the most frustrating aspect for me now that i think about it is figuring out this damn algorithms and all that stuff on, uh, for Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and this and that, like figuring out when to post, how to get reach, how to get engagement. And then like you post something awesome and it gets two views. You post something garbage <laughs> and it gets, you know, 5,000. It's like, what, what is this? It, that, it, yeah. So that's my answer. Technology and the internet. <laughs> it's an old man yelling at clouds. That's what's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side of things, what what would be the most rewarding aspect about something like this? Uh, definitely, like when you're when I'm standing at the show or the festival and I'm looking around and everybody's having an awesome time. That's my favorite part. Is just like standing there and looking around the room, and everybody's having a great time. And like at at the day glows, my dad was there and he was singing along to the day glows when I looked around the room at one point, like. You know, my friends moshing, stuff like that. Like that that's my favorite part is seeing everybody have a great time. Yeah. I can see that being a draw for sure, especially like not only for you, but for the bands as well, just to see what they're doing uh puts people in that kind of mentality. Oh for sure. That's like our main thing is the energy and the vibe at all of our shows and the festival is like positive, high energy, you know, everybody's having a great time, getting getting along kind of thing. Like that's the best part of this. If you could have the ultimate lineup for alternative waves, not necessarily for you, but for the festival, who would you include, say, in the top five bands? For this year, like in what we could reach possibly within grasp, but not with budget this year? Uh, let's just say, <laughs> well, it, it would, however you want to answer that. I'm good with um, if you wanted something like realistic or if you had like, say, this is how I would like the festival to be, if that could be it. Well, let's say at some point in the next three to five years, I'd like to get bands on the level of like Alexis on fire, mm -hmm. you know, um, or rappers on the level of uh, Snack the Ripper or, you know, Chris Webby, uh, guys like that. Brinkley's is way too expensive these days, but um, hmm. when did uh, he blow up? Uh, 2000 and it must have been I don't know 14 or something like that. He blew up big. Oh, I'm way out of touch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's way big now. He wouldn't even I don't even think he'd come play Medicine Hat if it wasn't like the big arena kind of thing. I yeah, I don't want to name his price, but I'm pretty sure we got a price from one of his guys, and it was like what we can't. That's not possible. Uh, or or uh, Afro Man. Afro Man would be a sick draw i'd love to have him and he's actually we have a price for him he's reasonable we can't afford him though but yeah um my apologies the rest of the conversation was not recorded due to a recording malfunction thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on twitter instagram and facebook 
If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.